from the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside the Treasure Island Hotel and Casino. It's Throw the Flag with your hosts, Gooch. And we're speaking with Eric Wright, former UNLV DB. And Willie Ramirez. They've done a lot to protect the receiver and the quarterback, the offensive skill position players. But have they done enough? Is there more that can be done with what we're seeing right now? On ESPN Las Vegas. I think uh, what we have to realize is that we're playing football out here. Right. We just have to be be real about it. uh, You know, so the things that they have done, um, you know, it looks good and it helps. But at the end of the day, you know, a lot of things you you can't really control out there. Wax off thing that I got to do with changing diapers. You know, I just had, so I can work my way into that. So I had a little bit of an irritation moment yesterday. I had to breathe. I had to do a Miyagi. Okay. So I, by the way, I'm three episodes into Cobra Kai season five. It's okay. taking taking me time. You, uh, the first four I got right in. Bing, bing, bing. This time it's been taking some time, but I got back on my cardio kick. So um, I'm three episodes in, but I had to get a little Miyagi patience. Um, I am a major, major. We've covered this. We've talked about skincare fanatic. Yes. There's no cracks of Willie's knuckles. I feel several on me. I feel sometimes like, you know, you know when you hear like female reporters, they they sort of get condescended down to where you know, like they'll show up at a certain game and then they're you you explain something to or not me but someone was and it's very condescending. It's like, dude, I'm a report. I'm a female reporter. I know what I'm doing. Right. I, know, I know that the puck goes in the net. I know that the ball is supposed to be kicked through the uprights. You don't have to tell me and speak to me. You know, like I get it. Like it's 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 very Especially, condescending to women. I walk into Sephora sometimes. It's it, the same thing for you. Well, they go well because they go. They say, well, now this is a toner, and what you do with this is you put. Okay, listen, listen, young lady, with the Sephora apron. Right. That how old are you? Twenty seven. Okay, so I've been k- taking care of my skin longer than you've been alive. Yeah. I want you to look at her next time and go, I am 95 years old. I know what I am doing. Listen, Just really overinflate I remember age. when Retin-A gel had to be prescribed, and now you're putting Retin-A oil serum on your face. Don't talk to me like I don't know about skincare. Just show me where the moisturizer's at. If they heard you tearing down that, that customer service agent, they'd probably make you a general manager right there on the spot because you know where all this stuff I, is I coming from. I get irritated. <laughs> it's like, I, you know, if the shoe was on the other foot, I'd be able to file, like, some kind of sexist, Customer service complaint with, with but I no, I will say this. I, I shouldn't be calling that brand out because the girls are really helpful at Sephora, the, the one that I go to. I, I, I was I had that moment revisited because I was sharing it you with the You were discriminated girl. against. You felt bad. I, I, I wasn't, I, it wasn't there. It was at a different place, but I was sharing that moment with somebody, but it still brings back the sort of the ire because it's like, why do you talk down to me? You know what I mean? Like, I know what I'm doing. So her, me and the girl yesterday, we had, we had a laugh as I was picking up some, some new moisturizer and some new vitamin C serum for my skin. I like how you compared women's struggles in sports media to you having a bad customer experience. <laughs> to my. <laughs> Well, like, I don't like it. Yes, I don't like being spoken <laughs> down to. If I walked in your store, I know what I'm there for. Like, look at my cuticles. Look yeah. at them. Yeah. They're better than yours, lady. Now, yeah. understand that I know what I'm talking about and point me to the bronzer. Now, I'm what glad happened? I'm glad, I'm glad I got that. Out. Okay. You feel better. I feel, I I feel like, I feel like I was you just dropped up. 25 yep. pounds of stress just was, it was released right you know, off this, your shoulders. There's been a lot of stress relief this week. Tuesday, I went off on two different people, including my, my personal physician. Hmm. Yeah. What'd you do? 
I just went off on Went her. off? Went off, told her I wasn't pleased with the way that things were happening, treated. I didn't think that – I think the way that they went corporate, it's not personal anymore, personable anymore. And, you know, no wonder I got stress, hypertension, and high blood pressure because your office isn't doing the right thing. Hey, so, man. But you know what? Thursday – by Thursday, I felt like a load had been removed, and I was back like out of nowhere. The first time in two weeks I did a three hours at the gym, yesterday two, this morning – I got a bunch of stuff done, did the sounds for this show, and then I got on the elliptical, watched season five, episode three of Cobra Kai. Like, if I put in more than you'll do today. I think, you, I think you're a guy who's built on victories. Victory going to the gym, victory putting in the cardio, victory at work. I think Victory when, with skincare. Skincare, exactly. Victory co- coach, cooking for strippers. Right, right. Victory at carrying a radio show. Yeah. So it's just like, <laughs> you're doing great, man. You're doing great. It's all right. You know who didn't do great? And I think, I, I think the three of us, me, you, and Mateo, we just got to do a group hug after this. What happened to UNLV football last night? We already know about the you know, Doug Brumfield injury. That, that's a bummer. We hope he gets back. We have no there, – there's been no news on that injury just yet. We're hoping it's just short term. But, oh, oh, what happened? I think that, the, you know, I, I don't want to say that they underestimated San Jose. I just think that – you know, sometimes you play so far above your head, and I don't think that they're playing above their head. I think what I'm saying, like, they were playing so well. They were on such a run that it was it was almost like it was due. The problem was with San Jose was due for a big shot. Like, it just collided at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. They went up there for a Friday night affair. The same way that UNLV has been responding down here, it was sort of just – it was, it was just the wrong timing. Like, I don't think, you know, a couple of drives here and there, and then Brumfield goes out. I mean, San Jose was just clicking. It was one of those nights where everything was going right, and their execution was well, and UNLV's not as bad. It's like those of you going out there, here we go again, UNLV football. No, no it's not like that. Not, so. a, not even close to that. But, again, Brumfield going down with the injury, that's always going to be a giant knock on any football team. All right, so a couple of things real quick. And then we're going to jump into some of So we're going to talk about the Raiders in Kansas City uh, later on in the show. But they got a big Monday night game. They're coming off their first victory over Denver last week. Um, Monday night football against the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Baseball playoffs started yesterday. Four games, three road teams win. Phillies with the big win. Uh, and, and the rally, the six-run rally in the final inning involved locals, Bryce Harper and Bryson Stott. So that was cool to see. But three road teams win on the first day. But more than anything, and of course we're going to bring our girl Lindsey Brown in, downtown Lindsey Brown. The Golden Knights regular season is upon us. It starts. And so, I mean, you and I, we just know about the stick and the puck. Like before when I was referring to what, explaining the puck goes in the net, that's yeah. all we know. Lindsey knows more. Lindsey, what, what can we expect? Well, you can expect a, a whole hell of a lot of learning because we're in that teaching mode with uh, with the new systems, and obviously they get a big victory the other night against the Los Angeles Kings, but there's still a lot to just solidify in your initial reactions because hockey is so much just getting lost in your flow state, right? And so there's a lot of rewriting of all those habits of where do I go? Do I chase this guy? Do I stay more centralized? And uh, the last few games that we saw here at T-Mobile Arena, you could say, well, it's going to take us a little bit longer to get all this uh, solidified down. But for the most part, you can see uh, some great offensive chemistry between Phil Kessel and Jack Eichel. And I think that's what we all need to just feed into right now. And the rest will take care of itself. Do you think that uh, it, Logan Thompson has pretty much solidified his position as the starter? I do. I do. I think that he hasn't given them a reason not to. And obviously, Aiden Hills had some struggles. And they're not all his own. It's not always just the goalie's fault. But 
all of the the table has been set for Logan Thompson. And so you want to give him that run. You want to give him that early confidence of, of getting in with this team, building that chemistry. And I would just go. You give two games to Logan, one game to Aiden, and then we go from there. They, uh, they finish up the preseason tonight with Arizona. They open the season Tuesday in L.A. Thursday, first home game, Chicago Blackhawks. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I'm tugging on the collar like, oh. It would have been funner last year, right, when Flurry was still there, but he was traded up to Minnesota in the offseason, signed an extension there, and there's a lot Your of – Minnesota Wild. My Minnesota Wild, correct. Uh, but there's a lot of names that we would associate with the Blackhawks that have made their departure in the in the offseason. Uh, Alex DeBrincat got traded up to Ottawa. I mean, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves are still there, but that is a rebuilding franchise, and those two guys, I would suspect them shipped out by trade deadline this season. Well, speaking of your Minnesota Wild, I'm just putting this out there. just want to let you know. So, mm-hmm. like, I obviously have been your number one fan more so than anybody else. We, we've established you. this, been your number one supporter. Uh, Lindsay, now, I, got your, I got your face tattooed on my shoulder, so yes. I'm way more. You, we are now colleagues. So for Christmas, I, I, I just want anything with the with that green, old school green, uh. that big N, and on the far right side with the arrow pointing up to a star, I would like a throwback North Star. It doesn't have to be an authentic jersey, oh. and it doesn't have to be Dino Cicerelli. It could be Neil Broughton. It could be Willie Plett, but, you know, since you know you're 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 my Minnesota, you. I'm the connection, I suppose. I, yeah. Maybe I can get one myself. We can get a deal for ordering in bulk because I want a few. You have friends in I'll never forget when they did the retros, and Lindsay and oh. I were up there on press row, and they came. They were the first. They were the best, as far as I'm concerned. They had the best because it was the old North Star stuff, the colors. It was fantastic. I just wish the logo was on there, but they yeah. can't do that. But we'll, we'll take that. I wish they kept those as their full time unis, but I think we're getting different throwbacks this year. All right, listen. When we come back, Gooch is going to throw the flag, and he has some interesting topics that he wants to throw the flag at, and, and I'm, I'm ready to jump in with him. It is Willie. It is Gooch. We are on uh, ESPN, 1100 AM, 100.9 FM, at Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. When we get back, we're throwing the flag. Now, back to throw the flag. So wide you can't get around it. So low you can't get under it. I understand the A team can show up, but the B team might we should be able to show that. See, that's what, what? Here you go. Oh, yeah. Yes. 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 Oh, yes. yes. That's what we're talking about. Wagner. 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 Veteran. Right. Get him down. Now get him. Let down. these guys take over. Bobby Wagner. That's right. Back your boy. Throw the flag, ESPN Radio, 1100, 100.9 FM. Back again, down here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook inside the Treasure Island. I am Gooch. To my left, Willie Ramirez. And now it's my favorite segment, Throw the Flag, named after the show. And this is basically where we let you know exactly what we think about some borderline controversial topics that pop up in the sports world. So let's go back to Monday Night Football. My favorite part of the game was when the fan ran out on the field carrying like a can of pink smoke. And then Bobby Wagner, one of the greatest linebackers we've ever seen. Once this guy gets his hands on you, he's tackling you. It's a wrap. Well, Bobby Wagner decided to (laughs) run over and completely flatten this guy on the field. Completely flatten him. Well, now the guy who performed the stunt to raise awareness for a trial involving the alleged theft of pigs from a factory farm. That was his reason for jumping on the field. Well, now he's trying to sue Bobby Wagner uh, 
as for like an assault charger trying to press charges against Bobby Wagner. I'm throwing the flag at this fan and any fan who thinks that running out on a NFL field is going to raise awareness to your cause, especially when there's no signage, we can't read your T-shirt. What is the point? Your whole point of running out there is just getting is so you could get leveled on ESPN. Well, I thought it was a gender reveal. <laughs> right, exactly. It was it was pig smoke, and this guy's running around, and then you're like, wait, 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 wait you're, you're mad about pigs? What? And it was like, and then the, and then the fan or or the fan in quotations, <laughs> the one who ran out on the field, him and his girlfriend, because his girlfriend also tried to run out on the field, but they stopped her. Mm. But this guy was able to elude. Uh, authorities, and then there was also a security guard that got injured trying to tackle this guy. It's just you, you, your cause does not get helped when you do something like this. Okay, I have a taxi cab confession for okay. you. Once a year, I take my journalism hat off, and I am what somebody in the in my close uh, work family, if you will, Miss Tessa Wallington dubbed me the sideline marshal. I actually work for the Las Vegas Bowl. where and, and what started out at Sam Boyd, which I'll always call the Silver Bowl, um, where I just patrol the sidelines. It's nonstop walking around, and the barriers, those padded barriers with the, with the signage, the advertising, I'm supposed to make sure that nobody stands in front of them because the TV shooting from the roof, they can see it, right? So I walk around. Plus, make sure nobody's messing with either spirit squad. Gooch, I kid you not, I have thought about this several times. I have always wondered, like, if somebody were to hit the field in the Las Vegas Bowl, like just ru- just rush the field, like I have wished that they would get past some of the security and come my way so I could just... Be the hero? Well, not necessarily be the hero, but, like, be the enforcer. Lester Hayes. Yes. I just want to, just, I just want to stick somebody. Mm-hmm. Even, if it, even if I have to break my collarbone doing it, I've, it's kind of like a – it is a secret little fantasy. Like, I just want to drop somebody. Everybody has that fantasy. Everybody would love to catch somebody not paying attention, especially when they're doing something that they're not supposed to yeah. do and like, hit them with a terrible Terry yeah, Tate like right over the middle. That, knowing that I've been sort of given the title of sideline march, like making sure like I'm keeping the game safe, the cheerleaders safe, the, the, the integrity of the advertisers safe, keeping the photographers where they're supposed to be going, not in front of the play clock, dropping people who run on the field by burying my shoulder into their chest. See, and, and – and that's the thing. Like, if you're going to have a fantasy about dropping somebody, don't just do it for the violence. You have to have a just cause behind it. Like Willie is saying, look at all the people that you're protecting yes. with lowering the shoulder and yeah. laying the boot. Well, you said that. It would, <laughs> not, my, my first would be to hurt somebody. <laughs> Why am I not surprised by that? So the Lakers preseason game at T-Mobile Arena. Uh, after the game, LeBron... Completely doubled down again, stating that he wants to bring a team to Las Vegas. And I am 100% behind this. And I get so excited when it is LeBron saying it because no matter what, he is the king of the league, and I am throwing the flag at anyone who disagrees with that. Whatever LeBron says goes. What he says goes. Even when even when the players were, were boycotting, when LeBron said, okay, we're going to play, everyone played. Whatever he says goes, that's the NBA. Adam Silver is just, he, he, he's just a puppet. LeBron is pulling the strings. It's, uh, I'm going to venture to say that it's, it's pretty much a done deal. Yes. Like, I think that Adam Silver knows 
that he doesn't he doesn't not want him to be an owner, right? Like when Michael Jordan wanted a partnership in the Washington franchise and then the Charlotte franchise, like there's no way that he's not going to let LeBron James be and, – and to combine, you know, I mean, DeMarcus Cousins already lives here, right? Matt Barnes loves coming here. The NBA players that came to all the Aces games this year that have been coming to the WNBA, like when the NBA Summer League, you know, before the pandemic, it all ran, coincide, and they would come. Um, ja Morant became – like he, he was tweeting out, sitting down, you know, do not disturb, watching my Las Vegas Aces, right? Every The NBA loves Las Vegas, so I think it's a match made in heaven, and I think it's a done deal in terms of LeBron James, Adam Silver. They when it's time, LeBron, yes, it'll be you'll, you're the you're the lead on this. And that was the thing, like LeBron even brought up, he even brought up Adam Silver, who's across the ocean, right, doing NBA stuff in in the Middle East, and he's you know basically making it sound like he's already had these conversations with Adam Silver, even though he's probably not legally allowed to say so. But, again, there's so much to read between the lines, and I personally think you're right. It's a done deal. Tuesday's expedition between the French club. It's an exhibition, not expedition. Exhibition. Exhibition. Tuesday's exhibition between French club Metropolitans 92 and the G League Ignite was all about the two – these guys are going to be drafted one and two. French, uh, Francis Victor, Webb and Yama, and Scoot Henderson, which I just love the name Scoot Henderson. These are the top two projected picks in the 2023 NBA draft. And, look, uh, Victor Webb and Yama has already been praised by LeBron calling him an alien. Durant's already saying that he's going to take over the league the second he's here. But there was another French player on the court who may have stole some of Victor's thunder. Steve Ho You Fat. And I'm throwing the flag at anyone who doesn't want to wear that jersey. Ho you fat. That's his last name across the back. It's like, it's what he hate me was going for. But this one just, it, frenetically, it just sounds so funny. And there was already, Alexis Morgan was already saying she wants to get a ho you fat jersey as well. So it's. Like, I just hope that, like, his biggest fan. <laughs> is not sitting too far back of the bench when he he or she yells and there's not too many people in front of him that may or may not fit that description well well my i thing was is- trying to think of a better way to say but yes pretty much can you just imagine yelling Oh, you fat! Yeah, exactly. Somebody turn around. You're talking, to, you're talking, no, no, about- talking to the point guard. Sorry about that. Or if you are wearing a whole you fat jersey, if somebody does insult you, you don't have to get mad. You could just turn around, read the back of the shirt, and walk away. Yeah. You win the argument. Because yeah. usually it's the first person who gets the angriest is the one Jesus, who loses. This guy just stood up from his chair. I think he thought I was talking he to him. Actually, there's is he coming, guys that are is looking he, is he coming toward right me, Mateo? No, no, no. You only said Keep ho, you fat. You, only, you, didn't, you, you just said one ho that you didn't, you didn't, you didn't pluralize it. No, so I don't think okay. this table of four guys is coming for us. Right, okay. And the last flag I'm going to throw. We all know that any team that goes to Buffalo, especially in the winter, is going to hate it. Those weather conditions are putrid. Borderline tundra. Well, I guess... The, the fans in Buffalo, they've been clamored for a new, st- new stadium, and they finally just got awarded one $1.4 billion taxpayer-funded stadium is in the works, and there's no roof. I'm throwing the flag at anyone who says they would rather sit in that Buffalo weather and watch a game 
instead of watching an NFL game that you were paying big money for and actually enjoying the luxury of having a roof. Lindsay can attest to this. She she may not have been alive for this, but she knows darn well. Uh, I'm having flashbacks at the Metropolitan Stadium. That's all I'm going to say. The Metrodome? No, 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 no. The Metropolitan Stadium in Bloomington, where the Mall of America now sits. There was the Metropolitan Stadium and the Met Center. The Vikings played in that. It's where the hail, the phrase Hail Mary was created because Salbeck hit Pearson against the Vikings. And the Met Center is where the North Stars played, where uh, Lindsey's going to get my throwback jersey. But, yeah, I mean, I lived – I mean, Lindsey lived there too, but I remember – I mean, I remember walking to the bus stop in Minnesota for high school when I went to Minnetonka High School, and with a beanie and a down coat and the hoodie up yeah. and the whole bit, and then you get to school and the, you take the glasses off, and the lenses were, they weren't just fogged, they were fro- like it was icicle, yeah. and my hair was frozen. Yeah, those so, bus wait, wait, stops you had, things, so, it's, Willie it's with wild. Hair. I'm having a hard time because Willie walk, rocks that clean, bald look. Just imagining <laughs> Willie with some locks is just kind of I used to have hair off. down to the middle of my back. <laughs> Love it. So, but no, that no, I get. It. I mean, I can't imagine you're gonna you're gonna the taxpayers are helping fund this, and you're gonna have to sit outside. I mean, like I said, that's. I mean, you go, you just Google Metropolitan Stadium, Bloomington, Minnesota, and look at the pictures of that. And I love the fans that are like, "Well, you don't want to play in real football weather." I'm like, you obviously haven't watched a game in a dome, so you have no frame of reference when you're throwing that out there. Yeah, no, it's insane. That's insane. All right, well, uh, I tell you, one school that does know about football weather, knows about cold weather, knows about winning, and is going to be playing here in Las Vegas later today. I'll be covering it for the Associated Press. The BYU Cougars are in town to play the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Shamrock Series is Notre Dame is actually the de facto home team for this one. And joining us after the break is former KLAS uh, CBS uh, sports anchor here in Las Vegas. He's now back up in Provo, sportscaster, sports writer with BYU TV, Dave McCann. He's up next with Gooch and Willie on Throw the Flag ESPN Radio from Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Having grown up, my dad was director of the Cougar Club for most all our life. And so many of the events were tied into getting people at the stadium, getting the alumni to leave their homes and go to the Rose Bowl or wherever. And uh, and so when they do it, it's such an awesome thing. I saw it in Vegas for years uh, while working down there when the Cougar fans would take over the place. Play fake to the end zone. How's that for coming out of the locker room? Oh, man, nothing better than college fight songs. Saturday morning, college football, and big-time college football coming to Las Vegas later today, Allegiant Stadium. It is Willie Ramirez along with Gooch. ESPN Radio, throw the flag from Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. You heard coming back. The sounds of former sports anchor here in Las Vegas and current sportscaster, sports writer with BYU TV. And I, someone I consider a close friend from back in the day when I was first starting my journalism career, Dave McCann. Dave, welcome to the show. Dave? Do yes. we have Dave? I can't hear Dave. I don't hear Dave. But I'm sure he's a swell guy. <laughs> so so Dave is speaking. Lindsay can hear Dave. We can't hear Dave, and he's probably answering me, answering us. But 
while she figures it out, I will let you know. So BYU is coming to town, uh, ranked 16th in the country. Notre Dame, Fighting Irish, they throw this Shamrock Series every single season. And uh, there's two seasons since it started that they, it did not. 2017, I believe 2019, uh, 20 with the pandemic, obviously. But uh, they brought it to Las Vegas. Last year, BYU played Arizona here at Allegiant um, for the kickoff classic. And largest college crowd, largest crowd for a college event ever, 52,000 plus. I fully expect that number to get crushed. Yeah. I, I fully expect. With these two teams? And oh, their fan braces? Well, oh. well, with BYU's fan base alone. As you heard right. Dave talking about what he had saw when he was working here in Las Vegas and saw, like, the BYU would come down to play UNLV or they would be in the Las Vegas Bowl. It would be, I mean, they would they would overtake. Some of the best crowds were like when BYU would play Boise State, they would be huge. And I think Dave remembers that, and I think we got Dave now. Dave, you there? Hey, good morning. There he hey. is. Hey. So, Dave, you heard you heard me talking there. I had a little bit of technical difficulty, and I think you heard coming back. I mean, you you talked about it in that interview I found on YouTube. And welcome to the show, by the way, my good friend from back in the day. Uh, <laughs> um, just you know, the mention as as I as I brought it up, uh, and you brought it up on on that interview. BYU's presence in Las Vegas is strong, even when it's not here. But imagine tonight. Well, it's second to none, uh, and it, it might actually rival uh, UNLV's presence in Las Vegas. Uh, this is the 19th time they've played down there, and um, they, they're a draw wherever they go, but they're such a strong alumni base and church base in southern Nevada and then over Phoenix and Los Angeles and St. George and Cedar City that it's just a kind of a mecca for when the Cougars come to town. And, and uh, you know, it's bad for beer sales, but the Sprite vendors love it. It's been, uh, it's been fun. Well, I have a feeling that the Notre Dame crowd will take care of the beer sales <laughs> yeah, and exactly. the shot sales. These are Catholics. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, I hate, to, I hate to put any kind of religious connotation on it, but we do have the Mormons versus the Catholics as, as I, you know, as, as, the, as the, the one-liners sort of go out there. But in, in all honesty, it's two of the most storied pro college football programs. But before we jump into that, I want to talk about your time here in Las Vegas this was when I was starting out my career. I mean, this was when, you know, I mean, you were at Channel 8. Futrell was over at 13. I can't remember who. Uh, Colin Coward was at Channel 3. The days when it was UNLV and big-time boxing. That's when we saw each other. But we would see each other so much because Running Rebels was all we were covering. And then once a month, once every couple of months, we'd be at some press conference. Riddick Bow Holyfield or whoever with the up-and-coming middleweights were at that time. Did you ever see Vegas growing this big? Yes, it was going to expand, but when you look at it now. Well, think about it. The NFL wouldn't even acknowledge uh, point spreads. Right. And uh, now they've got a stadium, a team, and they're going to play the Super Bowl there. It's, it's, that's how it has changed from, from back in the day where you're right. The biggest events would come to Vegas, but they'd be there for a night and then they'd leave. Whereas <laughs> around, the, around the country, you know, the Packers were there all season and things like that. So... We had to adjust on the fly to one major event after the other. And, um, and, and the cities, uh, now it's a different city. It's, it's with the Knights and the Raiders and who knows what else is coming. Don't but, forget the uh, World Champion the day, Aces. Don't forget the World Champion Aces now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a phase in Vegas. There was organized crime, then there was our phase, and now there's professional sports phase. And, 
And what a what a great uh, I loved it there, and so the greatest people in the world in Las Vegas, and a great setting for this game. I don't want it to be a phase. You see, I had a mullet phase, and I grew out of that. I don't want Las <laughs> Vegas to grow out of the sports phase. As long yes. as they have water, Las Vegas is going to keep growing. Please, Lord. Dave McCann speaking to a sportscaster, sports writer with BYU TV with uh, Gooch and Willie throw the flag on ESPN. So uh, BYU, BYU's Uber presence in Las Vegas, Dave, is it a home away from home? Yeah, it has been. I wish they'd play every year there. Um, and there, there's nothing on the schedule after this one moving forward with the Big 12 schedule. I don't know how possible that is, but um, it is a home away from home. This is uh, Notre Dame's first game in Vegas. And as mentioned, BYU's been there a long time, including last year in this, in this stadium. Um, very comfortable there and, and very well received uh, by the fan base. And speaking of that, the Cougars are 14-4 and all-time in Las Vegas. That's a long time, and that's a pretty successful record. Why the success? What, what, brings the, what brings the Cougars so much success being in Las Vegas? Sin City, to name that. Well, a lot of those games were against UNLV, and so there's a lot of wins in there. Okay. Um, all right. I didn't think it was going to be that stingy, but okay. <laughs> but, but that's the reality. Jim McMahon played down there. Yes, he did. Young. Uh, uh, Brandon Doman, John Beck, Ty Detmer, Coy uh, Detmer. De- the it's just been a mismatch when BYU and UNLV have played. But they played Oregon down there and beat them. Oregon State, um, Arizona last year. Uh, I, I think uh, it's just a natural spot geographically. And and I remember talking to Pat Christensen before the uh, Arizona game last year, the president of Las Vegas events, and he said. If I had my way, BYU would play here every single year against a P5 opponent in this stadium. That was the week the Notre Dame game was announced. Uh, we'll see you the magic if they can pull that off coming down. But, you know, it's big-time football. BYU's managed to do it without the P5-level uh, label and without a P5 conference. They've just been able to do it on their own, more or less, which is a, you know, a tribute to, to their fan base and what they've been able to do. But, but now that's changing as a member of the Big 12, and, and it should be bigger and better moving forward. Once again, speaking with Dave McCann, sportscaster, sports writer, BYU TV, former sports anchor here in Las Vegas at Channel 8, and he'll be uh, here tonight, or he's already here, I, I would imagine, Legion Stadium, BYU-Notre Dame. Before we touch on the game, Dave, real quick, you talk about BYU's move to the Big 12, all this conference realignment, UNLV has somewhat been thrust into the conversation Mountain West, Pac-12, what's going to go on? Is it an attractive school? Where I personally argue that the Pac-12, yes, it's embedded itself with conference, you know, the conference championship in football, the conference tournament in basketball. And so, yeah, it already has a relationship. But why not lock up? Isn't Las Vegas attractive? I mean, do you see UNLV eventually hitting a Power 5? I don't know. You know, we've talked about that for a long time. Um, even during the Rebels' heyday with basketball, football was always so far behind. And these are football-related decisions that uh, these conferences are making. And I think that puts them in a bind. And San Diego State has been pretty good lately, and I think that's why they were all of a sudden the first one in if the Pac-12 were to expand. Um, and for years, they couldn't draw 10 people to their football games. It's, it's a football-related decision, and I think that's what holds – UNLV back. It doesn't hold Las Vegas back, but I think that's what it, what holds UNLV back. Uh, but I would love to see it because uh, um, you know Vegas is the epicenter for everything that goes on out here in the West, and it's a perfect setting for all those events that that you just mentioned. I just don't know if football can 
can get up there. I mean, what value does UNLV football bring to the Pac-12 after they lose UCLA and, and USC and maybe Washington and Oregon? Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't bring a lot. And that, that's coming from a guy who called their games for 10 years. They just haven't been able to be good enough to be marketable to join the city that already is. And I think that's what holds them back. Is that all that's holding them back, just the winning? Because, look, it took BYU a long time to get in there as well, but they also had to win for how long? I mean, like how many sustainable, winnable seasons does UNLV have to have before they could possibly be considered for that Power Five? I think enough to just go, oh, UNLV, they're good. Um, I, I, I think whatever, whatever that takes, Boise State's done it for a long time, and then lately they've kind of disappeared. And, man, when you disappear, you disappear quick. And to where all of a sudden it's uh, now they're not even considered uh, as, some, as, as a, a power-type football team where they've been one for a while. Uh, and then timing, of course. Uh, B, I mean, BYU got in the Big 12 because Oklahoma and Texas left the SEC. That's the only reason they got in. Right, uh, right. And so timing is everything. Big 10 picking up USC and, and UCLA, the timing of that one because they're at the end of their TV contract in 24. So – Timing and and you got to be good. I think those are the two things when it comes to these football moves. Well, one one there are two teams that are very good will be playing tonight. Kickoff at four thirty, Dave. So let's talk about the game real quick before we let you go. Obviously, Jaron Hall. I mean, BYU on the whole, I think, is better on both sides of the ball. They've been more impressive. I've not been impressed enough to wonder why you know to sit here and say Notre Dame should be favored in this game. What can we expect to see, and why is BYU going to win this game? BYU doesn't turn the ball over, and in these kind of games, that, that is so big. They've turned it over once this season, and that was an interception against South Florida in the opener. Uh, they got beat up pretty good against Oregon. Didn't turn the ball over in that game, just got flat-out beat, so they know what that feels like. They played really well against Baylor, beat them when the Bears were number nine here at Provo. Last two games against a couple of Mountain West teams, uh, they won. They weren't it was spectacular, but... It is what it is. I think they come in healthy. Uh, Puka Nakua practice all week. He and Gunner should be on the field together for the first time since last season. BYU's been able to do what they've done, especially with Hall, without his two best receivers on the field. Now they're back on the field. This is as healthy as BYU's been all season long, with the exception of Caleb Hayes, who's out with a, with a hand injury uh, on the defensive secondary. Um, and, and so they've got, they've got a huge offensive line. They haven't been able to run the ball as well as they'd like. Do they do that against a team that hasn't been able to stop the run as much as they'd like with Notre Dame? Um, They kind of have the same pros and cons, really, both teams on both sides of the ball, except Hall is a much better quarterback, um, and and Notre Dame's playing their second stringer um, due to the injury to Buckner. Yeah, Drew Pine. But but, um, I, I think that's the advantage for BYU, and then it's just Vegas. You know, the strange things happen. Willie, we've been to the Fan Man, we've been to Bite Night, we've been yeah. to Diego Corrales getting off the canvas after getting knocked down twice and knocking out Jose Luis Castillo. Anything can happen in these mega events. And I, I think BYU lines up, they're taking the field believing they can win. And uh, they just got to get over the Golden Domes once they hit those a couple times and realize, hey, we can get five yards of carry or whatever, uh, then their offense can start popping. This is a, You mentioned Riddick Bowen and Evander Holyfield. This is a lot like that kind of a heavyweight fight they fought three times and each 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 time we never knew which fighter was going to come out to fight yeah um and and this one's that one tonight 
Notre Dame's two and two with a lot of question marks. BYU's four and one with a chance here and Nebraska, uh, Arkansas next week to prove that they're Big 12 ready by playing two P5s in the middle of the season and trying to come out of it healthy and successful. This will show what BYU is uh, prepared for for playing nine P5s in the Big 12 next year. So these next two weeks are huge for the Cougars, especially tonight. Yeah, and, you, you know, we talked about the offense. You talked about um, what this team could do, just, you know, knocking Notre Dame back a little bit and getting the offense going. But, um, I mean, BYU's defense, 19th nationally in passing yards allowed. And Max Tooley, I cannot wait to see this guy. I think Drew Pine's going to have a problem with him. I'm looking forward to it. Dave, I'm looking forward to seeing you. I'm always looking forward to seeing the old-school media in Las Vegas when we remember when there was only a couple things to cover, but we were always out there covering it. So, Dave, I appreciate you giving us a couple of minutes here of your time. I look forward to seeing you at Allegiant Stadium tonight. BYU, Notre Dame, kickoff at 430. Dave McCann joining us. Gooch and Willie, throw the flag, ESPN. Dave, thanks a lot. Hey, thanks, guys. Enjoy the game. All right. All right, there you go. So, yeah, it's going to be a fantastic game. I, I am so looking for, I've been looking forward to this since it was named, and then I got the assignment for AP, so I will be out there. I'll be tweeting about it. I'm going to be out there early checking things out. I'll be on the field, you know, ch- just getting the vibe, the scenery and everything. So I would love to be in that, st- in that stadium because the Notre Dame fan base is just insane, and right. so is BYU. Just being in there is going to be amazing. And honestly, BYU should be a little upset. I, I personally think they should have been favored. Me too. But they're, for them they're, to they're, be... They're, they're the ranked team. So you know, sometimes people point that out. Oh, the ranked team's not favored. What does that mean? Well, we'll find out tonight. We're going to find... Speaking of lines, you love throw the flag. I love giving out free picks, especially since I'm 7-1-1 one, one this year. Right. When we come back, it's the pick of the week. <laughs> Gooch, Willie, ESPN Radio, throw the flag, Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. I'm 5-4. and four. Before I ever ran a casino or got myself blown up, Ace Rothstein was a hell of a handicapper. I can tell you that. I was so good that whenever I bet, I could change the odds for every bookmaker in the country. I'm serious. I had it down so cold. There you go. Mm. I just love it. Every single week I hear that bass line, and I'm happy. You heard Ace Rothstein, so you know what that means. It's the gambling segment right here. Throw the flag live from the Treasure Island Sportsbook, Golden Circle Sportsbook to be exact, where we are doing Throw the Flag. Gooch, Willie Ramirez, ESPN Radio 1100, 100.9 FM. Now's the time where we make an attempt to make you money. Willie has been crushing it all season long. Seven, one, and one. I, on the other hand, you know, I'm, I'm five and four. I do FM radio. I do sports. I mean, I do rock FM radio. I'm not embroiled in the world like sports like Willie is. I just read the Internet. Whatever, bro. You're a fantasy guy. That's I, the same thing. I am. I know, but I'm trying to make excuses, William. You are me, making please, excuses. Let Cause, me cause be a borderline if, millennial. If you're not engulfed in sports, then you shouldn't be doing this sports talk show. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Come on, now. I hope our, hope our program director is not just – you basically said you're like, look, uh, can you get me somebody that knows what the hell they're talking about, Can you get about, me someone please? that's not making excuses for his losses? <laughs> Just own up to it, kid. You can't pick a game. You see, I saw Terry Bradshaw. He's got a 50% win percentage, too, on Fox. I don't want to hear it. All right? We're killing it. I, I think I'm doing okay at 5-4. and four. But we're going to start with you, the winner. You did this last the week. The big bad you're, wolf. Because you're trying to take you always. Try. All right, so here's the thing. I'm laying, I, for the first time, I don't know. If I, I have I, attention deficit. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> Lindsay, we have a, we have a. We have a, somebody in our clan, a new person to our group, AD, our ADD, ADHD club. Yeah. Lindsay, and I, Lindsay and I are the president and vice president. We could never know who. It, it switches because we can't focus on who's the president and who's the vice president. What would you say? 
What is this segment on? Huh? What? What are hey. we doing again? Hey, okay. Mateo, how you doing? Oh, God, I forgot. Picks. Okay. All right, here we go. Buffalo Bills minus 14 against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So the Steelers finally made the switch. And by the way, I beat Steve Cofield uh, with my bet. We have three bets. Okay. Cofield and I. Uh, I have the Raiders plus two and a half wins against the Chiefs. So this Monday is a crucial game for me with that bet. I have the Texans plus two and a half wins against his Jaguars. I'm in trouble on that one. Although I'd, I'm more comfortable with that one. I think the Texans are going to get better. But I also had that Kenny Pickett would start by week seven, like through the, he had to week seven to get the starting job. So Kenny Pickett will be the starter for Pittsburgh this week. Um, and I think that he it, it, it's his time, it's his era, but I don't think he's ready to make his first start of the his to, that his first start of the career is going to be against the Buffalo Bills. So I think he's going to be in trouble in this one. They got to go to Buffalo. Pittsburgh has failed to cover five of its last seven on the road, and that stretches to last season when the team was better. Now you're going to Buffalo, eleven and one against the number against teams with the sub five hundred record. Um, Buffalo's going to just take full advantage with the defense and 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 pressuring um, the kid. I, and I think Pickett will be fine. But you know, last week he came in, he threw three picks. Pickett, yeah. So um, <laughs> I, my free pick of the week is going to be Buffalo. I'm putting my seven one and one mark since we started the show on the line with the Buffalo Bills. And they are favorite by fourteen according to the Treasure Island Sportsbook. I'm going to go with. The Niners, who are favored by six over the Carolina Panthers. I mean, the Niners' defense, I don't know if you saw last week. It's just bonkers, bonkers. They're one of the scariest units we've seen in the NFL. Nick Bosa, who I'm convinced is part silverback gorilla. The guy is is so strong. He's playing like he's going to be the defensive player of the year. Carolina actually has a pretty good defense as well, but Baker Mayfield piloting the Carolina offense. I just don't have any faith in it. Niners with the points. All right, so you got what? We got two picks? We yeah, got two picks. We yes. got Bills. We got the Niners. When we come back, we've got Surgeon Caleb Pinniger. Pinniger coming on from Crevetti Orthopedics. We're going to be talking concussions and injuries, Mark Stone, all kind of good stuff. When we get back, throw the flag on ESPN with Gucci Willie. I kind of... Now, back to Throw the Flag. With what's going on in the NFL with concussion, when do you have to step in and say, no, 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 you're coming out? Yeah, we've, when we did that a couple of times the other day, you know, we just, you know, give them a, a rest on our own. But there's a lot of people that play all of the snaps in the game, you know, the left tackle, the right tackle. You know what I mean? There's a lot of, a lot of people that play a lot of snaps. Um, you know, you just be smart about it. Each position coach is down there on the field with us so we can see when they need a, a break. Um, you know, just being smart about when we think it's time for them to do it because some guys will push themselves past the point of when it's smart and then, you know, maybe they're a little tired and miss something on the next play. So. Boy, it seems like the NFL has nowhere to run to, nowhere to hide these days, right? With everything that's going down, every, every time you look up and now – I don't know if it's teams or the league or what, but concussion is the big conversation. It's Willie Ramirez with Gooch. We are on ESPN, 100.9 FM, 1100 AM, live from Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. And joining us this morning to talk 
concussions, and a plethora of other things. Surgeon Caleb Pinniger from Cravetti Orthopedics, who happened to, uh, by the way, Gooch, he happened to slice into my knee. Oh, yeah? So it's why I'm able to walk I'm like it. a normal human being. Caleb, like how are you, walk. my friend? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Well, you know, I'm just kind of hobbling here and there, just trying to keep up leg days and do 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 the uh, do the workouts you and Matt Greenberg just, uh, you know prescribed to me. But you know how it is. And send me send me videos of you squatting hundreds of pounds at yes. four weeks yeah. out. I see how you do yeah. it. Yeah, right? he said he said he said, he said <laughs> listen. He said now listen, you're gonna take it easy. I give you about eight weeks before you. So four, it's 23 days in. I'm in the squat bar with just the bar. And I send him a video. Is this cool? And he was like, well, just the bar. Don't push. I was like, and then by the time he answered me, and then I was like, oh, damn, I already did 135. Yeah. So Caleb was like, wow, <laughs> Willie must like hanging out with me. Uh, so, yep. So, want to revisit. <laughs> so, okay, so let's start with, you know, I, that, that rejoin that, that you heard. That was I asked um, – Josh McDaniels, head coach of the Raiders this past week, about, you know, Josh Jacobs didn't, I mean, it seemed like he wanted to be in the entire, off, every time the offense hit the field last week, and he had a ton of runs, right? Uh, I think it was the third most of his career, third, second or third most attempts in his career. And, and McDaniels made a good point, which I really didn't think about. It was like, you know, you got linemen lining up against linemen, and they're in for almost the entire game, if not every snap, whether it's offense or defense, and they're clanking heads. Um what do you make of this? Just this. It just seems like it's, it's, uh, it's every week. It's every game. There's something. There, concussion is the topic. Yeah, the. I mean, it's it's all repetitions. It, the more you're in, the more potential there's a, a collision that you're not expecting. Someone hits from a different angle, or you you take a blow. And of course, the more reps, the more risk. But overall, these guys condition and condition and condition so that they're ready. Uh, but, and I mean, all, the, all these institutions are trying to place rules on how to make contact, on uh, how they're evaluated if there is contact. They're, they're certainly trying to make these processes better, but they're, they're definitely under a lot of fire. Now, should the coaches basically carry a pad of paper and just count the reps for every single player the same way managers do for pitchers in, in baseball? Well, that's being recorded, um, and, and I don't know if it's, I mean, in a in a pitcher, for example, you're worried about their their arm fatigue and how many pitches because there's there's a little more documentation to go at how how many times they're potentially throwing before that that ligament's more at risk, and so they're they're stressing that. I mean, in a in a runner, you can have it be his first rep of the game and he gets injured, versus he can have 30 attempts and be fine. So I, I think it's harder to calculate where our injury risk it's a threshold with with a person carrying the ball or or holding the line but uh, but what they should be watching for definitely is signs of fatigue I mean how's their posture how's their mechanics it's like anybody in a weight room if, if you're if you're getting tired and if you're losing form then hopefully the player and someone spotting the player is, is keeping an eye out to say hey look like I know you want to play but you're showing us that you're tired we've got to get you out of there Exactly. ESPN Radio 1100, 100.9 FM. Throw the flag right here at the uh, Treasure Island Sportsbook. We have Surgeon Caleb Pinniger on the phone, and we're talking just sports injuries. And let's just jump ship to the Tua controversy taking place, the Tua concussion controversy. And players have to 
self-police. Aaron Rodgers brought this up. He's saying players have to self-police. In his own words, he said, you got to be smart, and we need to think about our long-term health. But how do you get that point across to some of these players that are basically being raised to be gladiators? <laughs> That's a very good way to word it. They, and, there, and there's a point where we do it to them where we, we're on the sidelines and we're like, are you hurt or are you injured? And we're pushing them and we're trying to say, look, can you get out there? You've got to go back to the tent and put some ice on it. And we're, we, are, we are pushing them hard. But, uh, but there's, I mean, you, you, you know that across all levels, high school, college, a, a kid, in, it, it's his game. He's worked all, all week for it. He's prepared the preseason for it. And he doesn't want to come out. And you get these guys who are stumbling, and they're like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. And they do have to self-police, um, and, and we have to keep – we have to babysit them, basically. On the sidelines, they have to be monitored. So. And when you saw Tua wobbling, though, what did you think? Were you like, that's a back, neck? I mean, what can cause that? When you saw him wobbling two weeks ago, not even well, the, the main injury. Yeah, the, it, as, he, as he got up and stumbled, I mean, the trick was he, he kind of – he looked like he stumbled two times, you know. He, yeah. he kind of took a step, gave it a subtle stumble, walked about three more steps, and then honestly, like, got down to a knee. That didn't look normal. And, and they, I know that I, I had listened to a couple of reviews on this, and he had, uh, he had, had a, 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 a lumbar injury or a strain a little bit earlier. And so on the sideline, did they think, oh, yeah, maybe he retweaked his back? Did he, did he aggravate that so that he – limped off because his back was hurting. I mean, it's hard when a person has a distracting injury, but it didn't look good. Nothing about that looks good. Right, and Kayla, so I've got to ask you, so, like, my whole thing was this. He comes off the field, and then he's later, di- you know, uh, evaluated and diagnosed, okay, that he's cleared. It wasn't a concussion. But nevertheless, it was a short week. You're coming off of a, 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 a hit where you were wobbling, dropped to your knee, needed help. Concussion or not, if it's neck, okay, so let's say it's a neck or back, you throw him back out there. I can't imagine that that's safe. Yeah, I mean, he came back for part of that same, that later that game, and so it is interesting that he was able to come back same game and that four days later he had a, a repeat problem. The, I mean, these, the, we used to do like uh, a sideline test that was about three or four questions long. We'd be like, hey, can you remember these three words? Can you, can you count backwards from 100 by 7? Can you name the months of the year backwards starting with December? And, and we're like, all right, as long as you're strong and your fingers have good feeling in them, get back out there. We, we were very primitive in our evaluation, uh, not even more than 15 years ago. And, and now there's a five-page handout, and in the, in the back of – is uh, in the back of the um, stadium and the locker room that day. I, under, I, I guarantee he underwent a very thorough evaluation and had to pass it. I mean, there's, he's getting examined by the team doctor, getting examined by uh, an independent neurosurgeon, and he 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 must have convinced him well that he had uh, that he had all his wits about him and he had had passed all those tests. And they clearly had to have assumed that his injury was more related to his back or to a distracting injury and not coming from the head. So it's, but, but four days later, you're right. You come back on a short week and you take another head injury. Uh, the brain's already potentially, if it's, if, if he was mildly concussed, but passed his test 
and then had a repeat injury just four days later, then the injury becomes much more severe, and that's why you see that posturing in him on the on the ground with his arms flexed in an awkward position because the brain gets re-injured too fast. Now you got a big problem. Yeah. ESPN Radio 1100, 100.9 FM, throw the flag. And we have Sergeant Caleb Pinnegar on the phone. We're talking sports injuries. And the NFL culture got another wake-up call after a conversation with Joe Burrow. He said in an interview, he said, I mean, it's scary. Uh, he said, everybody knows the profession that we do. It's a dangerous game, and that's always a possibility. And when it happens, you collectively hold your breath. And can this be career-threatening at any point? Um, there, there are people that never come back normal after concussions, and and the uh, and the condition that we worry about with Tua situation um, is a uh, it's called second impact syndrome, where you're you're a little bit concussed, you you get back in a game, and you have a repeat injury. Now the brain's more susceptible. Now the now the duration of time needed to heal it can be longer, and with with severe concussions, there can be long term permanent damage. And uh, so he's going he's gonna to really have to go through the ringer this time to try to get back. All right, well, let's, let's move on to a local. Uh, obviously, the local fans are, are, are probably thinking about, interested in, they want to know. Um, Mark Stone, he, I mean, I know I watched him walking up and down the press box during last season. I know Lindsey saw it. I mean, he could barely move. He could barely get from one end to the other uh, with what he was going through. He ends up having, I believe it's a disectomy. Somewhat, and I was comparing uh-huh. it to, I asked him, I talked to him. I was like, somewhat comparing it to what you did to my knee, which, you know, when you, when you go in and you just sort of, you don't have a repair, but you just have it snipped and cleaned up. Like, explain uh-huh. to the listeners what Mark Stone went through and can't, will he come back, like the time frame when he stepped up? Is he ready to step on the ice this week for the season opener? Yeah, as far as time frame, he should be. I mean, the, the return to play after having a discectomy, um, what it is, the procedure itself is uh, you have to make a hole in the skin and you dissect down to what it's the, the disc. In between all of these spinal blocks that make up our spine are these little shock absorber discs. And in a, in a certain type of injury, you can smush part of the disc and part of it basically leaks out and pinches the nerve. And if it pinches the nerve, you get a person with motor weakness or with sensory problems, and then they're, they're mechanically messed up. So you have to take that and remove it so it takes pressure off of those nerves. And so kind of like in a, in a knee surgery, if a meniscus is torn, we trim away a flap of meniscus if it's, if it's unstable and getting in the way when a person's trying to move. So this piece of disc gets taken out. Really, the, the remaining parts of the spine should recover after that inflammation uh, calms down from having the pressure taken off. I really, th- I really thought you guys said Mark Stone had a vasectomy, and I'm like, hold on a second, what? And I was like, <laughs> There's so much noise <laughs> going on. It's part of a season to make sure he didn't have any more babies. <laughs> I'm like, put some peas on it, bro. It's okay. Oh, my goodness. Um, I, I'm not sure. Did you – so when when you see something like that or, like, with with Jack Eichel, right, especially with what he went through, this was, this made such headlines that Buffalo – the Buffalo Sabres, they were not agreeing to it. They wanted him to, to, to have his, uh, their choice of surgery. He wanted the, the, uh, the, the replacement. He comes to Vegas. They agree to it. He recovers. When you see that as a surgeon, is it 
Is it sort of like, as a sports writer, I get into watching what somebody's covering or Gooch does comedy on the side? Like, is that something that intrigues you? So you, you sort of get a little bit into it. You, you, you read up on it. You're, you're fascinated by that type of surgery. So you, so you sort of engulf yourself with that? Absolutely. The, I mean, at the, we, we saw Peyton Manning go through a couple of surgeries uh, football-wise because he, they, they wouldn't let him do certain parts of the surgery because he'd not be able to play the rest of his career. If he, if he opted for a certain surgery, he would forfeit his career. So he had to do kind of a lesser surgery in his case. Now, with Eichel, when they're talking about doing a disc replacement, I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, that's, that's pretty ballsy. I'm surprised someone's going to give that a try on a, on a professional athlete. But like, but Vegas was willing to take a risk on him. The, the trick is, is it's almost like a pioneer approach. Like, okay, how's he going to do? Let's let's experiment on this guy. And athletes have had it, but in the professional setting, it hadn't really been done. And so, the uh, it was it was a little bit of a gamble. And heck, he played great. But the uh, as we watched that, I remember having my suspicions because if it goes terrible, the surgeon and the team look like total fools. But if it and goes so, great, yeah, I was yeah, paying you, close attention. Can if you imagine? Great, like, you are a hero. Can you can you imagine like after the after the Denver Vegas game, we're all second question, you know, or we're we're second guessing Nathaniel Hackett. We're talking, you know, like, like Caleb. Like Caleb is probably like the Monday morning quarterback, but he's you know he's the Monday morning surgeon. Going, oh, he shouldn't have done it that way. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you, you wrapped I that tendon around that. that. Oh, yeah, that was terrible. Terrible uh, play call on that. You should be a serial killer instead of a surgeon. Right. <laughs> but these and these are so different. I do want to make sure our listeners know that the uh, the, the injury that Mark had versus the injury that Eichel had. These are different. One's a replacement. Right. One's a partial removal. So they're they're super different. But you're right. I mean, those are big. Those are big injuries. All right, Caleb, well, I appreciate no, but, you. But, I, but I'm looking forward to Stone. He's, he's going to do well. I'm yeah. excited to see him back in action. Yeah, I'm looking <laughs> forward to seeing a healthy season, at least for, for maybe the first month, maybe before we see any injuries after what took place last year. But, Caleb, I appreciate you coming on. We've been talking about it for so long, about having you on. So I appreciate it. was a perfect time. Um, I'm sure I'll be in touch with you and sending you videos from the squat rack, and I'm sure that I'll be having to come yeah. in to, to do a fo- some follow-up MRI at some point in time with what I put my body through at 53 years old. So, But I appreciate you joining us. Caleb Pinnegar, local surgeon, Crevetti Orthopedics, does a great job. So, hey, if you're by the way, if you happen to be looking for some ortho uh, surgery, go check out Crevetti and Caleb. Caleb, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Have a great day, guys. All right. It's Gooch. It's Willie. It's Throw the Flag. We are ESPN 100.9. When we come back, it's time to talk about the Las Vegas Raiders. Get them gains. Now, back to Throw the Flag. You got to be able to run the ball well, and you got to be able to stop the run. And that's, that's two big big parts of to, you know, ingredients to be able to beat teams like the, you know, the Chiefs or, or the Broncos, for that matter. So, um, that's what that's what we need out of Josh. You know, if given the, the proper opportunities, you got to go out there and uh, maximize them. And you know, he definitely did that. So I'm proud of the way he played. There you go. Raider talk right here. Throw the flag. ESPN Radio 1100.9 FM. Is this does this what's this doesn't this song remind you of like the coolest walk through an airport in the history of cinema? Yes. I mean, when Johnny Depp was walking through the airport and this was playing in the movie Blow, I there, mean, this had to take this song to a whole – like, it was cool when it came out. 
you're a rock job. Yes. But this, but when you, when that scene, and he's walking through, and the hair's flowing, he's got the shades on, the white suit, right? Now he's, now he's got it made, and he's becoming the bigger, bigger blow dealer. I mean, it was, it, it's a fantastic scene. Like, and it's only ten seconds, but it is the coolest walk through an airport. There are many scenes. I will always remember that once. Uh, that once. I don't know even know who's saying the song. I think it was the Cars. It was the Cars, but. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh. Whenever I hear that one song by the Cars, I will always think about Phoebe Cates. And it was just like <laughs> Phoebe was, Cates scene. Yeah, exactly. There's no better scene than no Phoebe Cates. No scene. I just watched it the Period. other night. Period. Oh. And that song, seriously, you take that song out of that scene. I'm not saying it wouldn't be visually just as stimulating, but there's something about the way that song. And just so you, just to back up your point about Black Betty. Yes, it just encapsulates yeah. encapsulates that scene. There so are certain much. songs in certain movies. That you that it doesn't matter where it, even if the song was popular before the movie now there now you think of that mm-hmm. scene or movie whatever it may be yeah exactly so moving on for Black Betty we're gonna move right into Black and Silver we're gonna talk about your Las Vegas Raiders got their nice. first win last that was a nice little segue I liked it yeah I liked that in there but yeah I got their first win last week which I was pretty stoked to see uh, especially over a division opponent. This week, they got Kansas City in Kansas City on Monday Night Football. What do you think is going to happen, Willie? Wow, you will. We're just going to jump just right to what's going to happen. Right in there. We're not going to. We're not going to talk about anything else. We just want to know well, what's going to happen. Right. Well, I'm just saying there's so many things that we could break down. You got Josh Jacobs in the running game. They obviously look established. I loved seeing the Raiders stop playing cute football and get right in there and start smashing the rock with Josh Jacobs. He's got the body. He's got the athleticism. Take advantage of it. Give De- The offensive line is not playing especially great, so give Derek Carr a chance to play some play action. Get these guys open. They did play better. They did play. the. And, and here's, the, here's the thing you can take from it. As bad of a football team as the Denver Broncos are, and this is a bad football bad. team, their defense is pretty good. I mean, it, it, it's played sir. It's played well against, even in losses, it's played well. And if it's played once, it's played good competition. Um, and Vegas lit it up. So it's it's in my opinion, it's Nathaniel Hackett and his offensive play calling that's horrible. Um, I love the Colts in the under, by the way, on Thursday night. Completely handicapped that game, and uh, with Gus Bradley being the defensive coordinator for the Colts, that's a whole other segment. But um, this is a different animal, man. Um, you know. Mahomes is, I think, six and one on Monday nights. I think he's seven and one all time against the Raiders. Um, this this team has really sort of come out with the statement. I think it was tired of hearing the you know the AFC West, the quarterbacks. This is going to be the best division in football. These have the four best quarterbacks. It's the Chargers' year. The Chargers were favored to win the division. Um, it, it did did the Chiefs take a, uh, a step back in losing Tyreek Hill? I mean, so many question marks. And, and a lot of the things about the Chiefs, it was a sla- it was sort of a slam toward them. I tend to think that they came into the season with a chip on their shoulder, and they're pissed, and it's going to linger until they've completely destroyed every single team in the division. I really thought that Tyreek Hill was going to have a down year. I didn't think Patrick Mahomes was going to have an elite year like we've seen in the past. I just thought maybe it would take him a season to kind of learn how to work with the other guys, but it has not been the case. Both players, Tyreek Hill has looked amazing in Miami. Pat Mahomes has remained Pat Mahomes in Kansas City. So this is definitely going to be a big, big challenge for our 
Las Vegas Raiders. And you were talking about the AFC West, and you were just talking about some of the teams. The only team that I see right now that is without question a bad team is the Denver Broncos. The Raiders, I just don't think they've hit on all cylinders up until last week. Yeah. The fact that they established the identity of their team running the ball with Josh Jacobs, to me, is such a huge part of the game plan, and it's a huge part for every new coach that gets a new team. It's like you have to know what players are going to play play the best with the guys that are sitting next to them. And I think right now they're still, still figuring that out. Yeah, you know, this is going to be a good test, but I think that this is also a test in which it's, it's a different sort of defense in which we have seen the Chiefs, you know, they're, they're glad to sort of get in a shootout with teams. And, you know, if if we keep saying this every single week, like where is the Devontae Adams, Derek Carr, like when are we – and Dev, the thing is Devontae Adams has, you know, he has several touchdowns inside, you know, and it, I think three inside the five-yard line when they're down there. You know, they've, they've uh, McDaniels has chosen to go to the pass more than the run. Um, last week – we sort of somewhat saw a bit of a more of a balance with the targets, but Devontae led the way again with targets and had productive and efficient day with his catches. But there's got to be that one game. If, you know, I just keep thinking this is the game where everyone's going to be like, well, okay, great. The Raiders did what they did last week. They're at home. Denver's a bad team. Now they're going to get stomped. They're going to Kansas City. Let's not forget, Monday Night Football brings out the best in everybody. Devontae Adams has really yet to take charge uh, in a captain's role and say, you know, he's not, he's, not, he's not a boisterous guy. He's very quiet, even in his press conferences, um, where he sort of just said, let's go or just give me the ball. Let's go. So if he, if he, if he finds mismatches or if he, if he feels like he can, you know, connect, uh, Hunter Renfro, he, uh, he could possibly be back this week. Uh, Denzel Perryman on defense, concussion. He was a full participant. So we're seeing these guys come back. They've been banged up, but um, the healthier they get, it, it could make, you know, we saw the secondary play with confidence last week. The one thing that worries me is the breakdowns in the secondary early in the game, and then they have to make up for it. Um, we saw that last week, like Amik Robertson with the, the, the video that went viral against Jerry Judy. Judy catches one over him. He stands up and he makes the two short sign. And then Mika Robertson gets the, you know, he comes up with a couple big plays and he has a 68-yard fumble return. Jordan gets the last laugh. Jonathan Abram, he's had a horrible career when it comes to defending the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. The numbers are don't don't stack up for him. But he's been playing his fireball. He's second on the team in tackles. Uh, Nate Hobbs, I feel, has been playing tremendous, consistent in the secondary. That secondary has got to be locked down. It will not do it 100% of the time. You're not going to keep Patrick Mahomes from doing what he does the entire time. But what you can do is make it troublesome for him on drives and have a bit of inconsistency where you're making enough stops to give Derek Carr time and give him the possessions to produce on offense. And let's jump ship to the Kansas City defense. Their 20th ranking, 13th scoring defense and they're not a bad team against the run but the good news is though is that means they're going to load the box and this is just the type of defense that Derek Carr can take advantage of there is no more honey badger Frank Clark has definitely got it down here Chris Jones in the interior line he's going to be one of the best defensive tackles we've seen in the last like five years I'll put him up there not with Aaron Donald but I would put him up there with um, Cameron Hayward for them from the Steelers who is an equal game breaker as well on defense so 
you get that kind of pressure from him, it can cause problems. But this is the type of defense that Derek Carr can feast on. Yes, because when you said 20th, it's 20th against the scoreboard. Yeah. Okay. They have the number one rushing defense. So, obviously, the thing is, last week was a breakout week. It just happened to be Josh Jacobs went crazy. But let's just say that the Chiefs do what they do and stop the rush, and the Raiders have to go back to, well, you know, picking their spots to run the ball. Well, they were already used to that. Didn't work. They were 0-3. But that wasn't necessarily because of that. The, the one game I was really critical, they got away from the run. In, you know, it was it in Tennessee. They had, yeah. you know, done well the first half, and they got away from it. You know, the Cardinals got away from the run. The Chiefs' defense is 27th in the league against the pass. So, again, I go back to possibly – this could be the week. If Renfro's back and you got Renfro, Waller, and Adams all healthy, all available, and even get some, um, you know, get them out there for, you know, uh, all on one side, whatever it may be, trips right, trips left, throwing that defense off that's already struggling to, to limit the pass, we could see the 10th highest scoring team, which is the Raiders, put some points on the board. If they can come out in the first half and establish themselves It'll provide some confidence. If they get down early, it could be tr trouble. Who has to step up for the Raiders? I think this week it's Devontae Adams, and I'm not saying he hasn't stepped up. I just think that this is the week where it's prime time. It's in Kansas City. It's against a very good team, obviously an MVP candidate in Pat Mahomes. This is the time that you show why you were brought in to do what you do. It's time for Derek Carr and Devontae Adams to show that connection. I was hoping Chandler Jones would make a make a statement. It's kind of been a down year for him. I was a little disappointed in the games that I've seen from him. But if he could come in there and get some pressure on Pat Mahomes, hurry up, hit, hurry up that decision-making, maybe the Raiders could feast. All right, and one other thing we want to say. You mentioned Chandler Jones. His line mate on the other end, Max Crosby, is on baby watch. So we're not sure if his fiancée, Rachel Washburn, where she's at. We don't know if she's in labor yet. Where's, but the big thing is they have a plan in place. If, if she goes into labor tomorrow, he's coming back, which he should, for the birth of his first child. Anyone out there that says he should put the team first, you're crazy. Um, so that's a big, big thing if Max Rodgers. Hopefully they have their child today or Tuesday. Right. So Come on. Be patient, baby. Raiders, Chiefs, Monday night, by the way, before we send it to break. Remind everybody, Monday, Cofield and Company, Steve Cofield and myself, 2 to 5, live at Twin Peaks on Eastern. And from 5 to 7, the watch party. I'm out there every single week giving stuff away. This week I got a bunch of Raiders memorabilia, some collector's pins, some old programs, media guides. So we're going to be giving a ton of stuff away. That's at Twin, Twin Peaks this Monday, 2 to 5, live Cofield and Company, 5 to 7 is the watch party. When we come back, we have UNLV women's basketball coach Lindy LaRock to talk about the Lady Rebs. It's Gooch, it's Willie, ESPN Radio, throw the flag from Treasure Island, Golden Circle, Sportsbook and Bar. UNLV, the regular season Mountain West champions, and they complete the journey as the tournament champions. And for the first time in 20 years, UNLV Lady Rebels are heading to the NCAA tournament. You know, Goose, there's nothing better than while we're at break and hearing a commercial with the Rebel Fight song, and then we come back into it with yeah. some more Rebel Fight song. But what makes that even better is is that 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 sound will never get old to me, hearing the UNLV Lady Rebels going to the NC2A tournament, especially since leading the charge, going into her third season as a close and dear friend. Joining us now on 
throw the flag. ESPN live from Treasure Island. It's Gooch. It's Willie. Joined by UNLV women's basketball coach Lindy LaRock. Lindy, how are you? Good morning. I'm great. How are you guys? Doing good. Um, you are at practice, or or practice is about to start, I believe. Correct. So you're you're giving us some time, but right before, or during, or just after practice? Yeah, we're about to get get going here in, in about 30 minutes or you know 45 minutes. So we've, we've got plenty of time, but we're we're excited to have a great practice today. Hey. And Gooch and I just did a Raider segment. We were talking about how Max Crosby has a big game coming up on Monday night, but his fiance, they're on baby watch. Uh, Jim Allen and I were up in the press box the other day, legendary old school coach with your father, Al. And uh, I told him you were coming on the show, and he said, uh, what if she goes and what if she has, she's on baby watch too. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm 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 a few few more weeks away from being you okay. know totally on baby watch, so I think we're we're good here at least for the next thirty minutes and probably for a few more weeks. <laughs> I'm on baby watch too. What's going on with us? I'm <laughs> I'm not. That's a great. That's that's great. I've done my job. My son is is grown. But so, Lindy, before we get into Lady Rebel basketball, we got a little bit of time here. Got to keep you here for a second. Um, I want to start with women's basketball in Las Vegas. I mean, it has become. You know, even more, you know how supportive I've been, right, of, of, of women's sports, women's basketball especially. But the it's been so widespread now with the Las Vegas Aces bringing home the WNBA championship. But in reality, the fever really started with the Lady Rebs. How do you feel about women's basketball? In reality, technically speaking, it is the most successful sport in Southern Nevada over the past year. If you want to call it brass tacks, the Golden Knights didn't go to the playoffs. The Raiders, well, they had a troubling year last year. But the UNLV Lady Rebels, they go to the uh, NC2A tournament. And now the Aces are champions. How great is that? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a great time to uh, be playing some women's hoops in Las Vegas for sure. So, um, you know, we'd like to say that we, we started kind of the momentum going and then the Aces, man, that what, what an incredible season and team and to have them cap it off with their championship. Um, you know, so now we're, our job is to keep the momentum going and, and keep it, you know, year after year. And, Lindy, when you guys win something like the Mountain West Tournament and what does that do for recruiting in Las Vegas? I mean, Las Vegas is still a pretty hotbed for a lot of pro athletes. What does that do for UNLV's recruitment? Does that give some of the local players uh, a, a reason to go, oh, hey, I, I might want to stay home? Yeah, we have a lot of really talented uh, young players here in the Valley, and so obviously we've been recruiting them for you know for a number of years, and then to be able to have the success that we've had, it, it really kind of helps build our credibility and and you know show some some proof to the vision that we've been casting and so you know i think obviously especially when you look at our team with um you know essence booker desi ray young also las vegas products oh yeah you know, for i think the you know some of the young talented local kids it's not just you know hey unlv like good or, or playing well but also they're, they're using our local talent and, and putting them on the highest stage. And so um, we're really proud of that. And we want to we want to keep that going. So we're, we're hitting the recruiting trail hard here in town. And, the, and you know, and the the uh, the local coaches obviously do a great job. Start, I mean, Karen White, I remember when she was at Cheyenne and then went over to Centennial. Billy Hamburger was at Spring Valley. He's now at Liberty. But when t when 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 coaches have successful runs, I, uh, there was Cheryl. Uh, um, 
I can never pronounce her name. Krimpitich? Krimpitich? Krimp, remember, she was a yeah. dormant coach. I mean, yes. when they leave their programs, they sort of, it's almost like you leave the door open for the next person to, to sort of carry that torch. How wide, you talked about the talent, but the, the uh, you know, the spot players here, there, AAU, I know Karen runs her own Vegas Bulldogs program, but as far as the teams in cultivating that talent, when they have them, to not disrupt what they do in AAU, how has that been as far as the high school scene? Yeah, I think we have really talented high school teams, and, and it's a credit to a lot of um, coaches here in the Valley that have, that have done a really good job, have invested in, in you know, the, the students and, and their athletes. And so, you know, there's always just kind of this pull and tug between AAU and high school basketball and how, how these young people manage it all. Um, but, you know, I think for us, a lot of it, is, the, the proof in the pudding is in high school. That's really when there's more structure. You know, there's not, there's, there's a little bit more balance of teams. It's not quite like, you know, an all-star team, so to say. Um, and so it pushes players out of their comfort zones to really be leaders, to do the intangibles, other than just, you know, maybe being really good basketball players. So, um, you know, I think we have great coaches in town. There's, there's a lot of them that have been here. Um, in, in town for a long time, which is which is helpful, um, and they've they've been able to do a, a really good job, even if they've maybe changed school here or there. Um, you know, I think it, it helps for the continuity, especially for our you know from the development age. You know, it starts in middle school and elementary school, and then obviously carries carries to high school. So um, you know, I think we, we've got some really good developmental you know girls basketball here in town that you know again is helps helps us, helps the Aces, helps, helps, you know, women's sports in general. ESPN Radio 1100, 100.9 FM, throw the flag. We're live with UNLV women's basketball coach Lindy, Lindy LaRock, and we're talking coaching. We're talking great coaches. And what do you remember about Becky Hammond, Las Vegas Aces, Aces head coach, world champion head coach? When you, were, when you were a college basketball player at Stanford, what do you remember about Becky? Well, it's funny, actually. My, my first memory of, of Becky goes back to when she was a player um, at Colorado State. You know, I was, I was you know, a, a young, young girl here in town, and I was a ball girl for, those, for that uh, conference tournament. I think it was actually some of the first years of the Mountain West. And I, I remember Becky being a player and sitting on, you know, next to the, the basketball standard right there with my towel and, the little broom and I remember watching her play and I think that was I, I really kind of credit some of those early memories obviously that was when UNLV had Linda Froelich and and they were it was two really really good teams I remember that game vividly and I think that was the first time when I you know seeing Becky play was really when I thought like hey I could do that as a player and I could go to college and all of that so it's kind of funny to have that that memory so far um, you know back but also here in town but then it's, it's been great to see what she's done uh, in her career obviously playing professionally I had a chance to hang out with her and, and meet her a couple of times when she was still playing in the W um, just through some mutual friends and then to have her go and, and coaching and break ceilings in the in the NBA side and then to come back over here to the WNBA side and do what she's done with the Aces I mean it, it doesn't get much better than that and I mean, I've, I watch all of their games religiously because I love what she's doing offensively. You may see a, a, a thing or two uh, here with our team this year. 
mimicking nice. some some of what what they've done, you know, because it's it's hard not to, uh, you know, really enjoy how they play and, and want to replicate it. And one of those players who has become—I mean, she was already a fan favorite, I think—but she's just the whole plum dog thing. The just just her mentality. I did a story preseason saying that she was going to challenge Asia for league MVP, and they finished one in three in the voting. What do you remember about her during the Pac-12 run? Because you were an assistant coach, I believe, when she was at Washington, and and just what you saw in her, sort of that potential player. Every time you play Washington, oh boy, we're going up against Plum. Yeah, I mean, Kelsey, man, what what a scorer. I think, you know, in college, I mean, she set the all-time college record for points scored with, like, over 3,300 or 3,400 yeah. or something, which is which is a ton of freaking points when you think about it. And so, yeah, I mean, obviously knew she was a heck of a player. It's been, it's been really awesome to see her growth and maturity through that process because she's had to find her way, you know, in the league, and I think – you know, pointing that out to young players of it, it hasn't always just been handed to Kelsey, and I think that's what makes her story, um, you know, really unique. She's obviously had she's had an injury that she's had to fight through, but even just you know before the injury of trying to identify a different role and different roles for a team and continue to expand her game to where she can be effective on the professional level. So. Um, I mean, what what a talented uh, player, just a fun human being. You know, I love kind of all her little interviews and snippets. She's, she's uh, you know, she came to our camp this summer to say hello to our campers. So she's just, she's another person that enjoys, I think, this Las Vegas community and really gives back. And, um, you know, again, just a, another reason why it's great to see them win because you think of her story and people that deserve it, and, and she's definitely one of them. ESPN Radio, 1100, 100.9 FM, throw the flag. We have UNLV women's basketball coach Lindy LaRock on the phone. And, Lindy, your success with UNLV is pretty damn good. I'm throwing you the thumbs up. You got yourself a <laughs> season one, you had the share of the conference title. Season two, an NCAA berth. Season three. I mean, is this a big year for you, Lindy? Do you feel any type of pressure, or is it just business as usual? Um, I, I don't think we feel pressure. Um, I think we have like an external expectation that really matches the external, um, which, you know, in, in our first couple of years, we've always had high internal expectations and maybe we've surprised everyone on, on the outside. But, um, you know, to have those two things in alignment, uh, I think creates a little bit different feel. Um, and we have a different role and, and, and position in our league than really we've ever had. So um, I think there's more just some different intangible things to think about and take into consideration, but it doesn't change the work that we do every day. And so we're really focused on that and just our, our daily improvement because that's how we've got to, you know, we got to where we went and that's where we want to get back to. So trying to keep it really simple and just uh, stay, you know, with our heads down, working hard. Uh, because we believe that you know where we want to go, that's how we get there. How do you how do how do you keep that success from killing the work ethic, though? I mean, it's like once again, you've been off to a hot start. It's like how do you how do you keep them hungry? Well, I mean, there's an accountability piece, and you know that's why you know coaches why we get paid. It's a little bit on us. <laughs> yeah. to help help keep you know our team our program in check and and help us keep us grounded in, in the reality um and you know we celebrated last year and we have a lot of 
returners coming back, but, you know, we're going to be a totally different team and, you know, not maybe from top to bottom roster-wise, but we've got to be different. Um, we've got to play a little different. We have to have a different mindset. And so implementing those things early, I think, has really been important for us um, because, you know, like especially these young people, we're, we're all human, right? And, um, you know, you can let those kind of thoughts creep in of, you know, we've arrived or, you know, we're really good. And there's a difference between having that confidence but then letting it uh, cloud your judgment or your work ethic. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Lindy LaRock, UNLV Lady Rebels coach here on ESPN with Gooch and Willie throw the flag. So, Lindy, one more before we let you go. Um, in, 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 in piggybacking off that, okay, in terms of keeping their hunger, the targets are now on their back. But you have learned from two of the greatest basketball coaches in their fields, that being your father, Al LaRock, here in town when he was at Durango, first at Western, then Durango, and Tara Vanderveer, the greatest women's basketball coach. All due respect, she, she surpassed Pat Summit, the late, great Pat Summit. So you've learned, in a sense, how to coach a team with the target on his back, which your team is now somewhat that squad. Yeah, you know, I've, I've caught myself kind of thinking about some of those, those past experiences as a player playing for Tara and then obviously coaching with her, and I'm, I'm definitely going to need to rely on, um, on those experiences this year as we lead the group because, um, you know, I think it starts with our leadership and it starts with me and our staff. Uh, because a lot of a lot of times, obviously, the team kind of you know regurgitates or imitates what they see um, from us, and so I think it's just you know it's a lot about just not being satisfied. And if I'm not satisfied, then how can they be satisfied? Because I'll, I'll make sure that they aren't. <laughs> Yeah, all right, Lindy, I appreciate you taking time. Say hi to the ladies, especially my good friend Essence Booker. We appreciate you spending time, and I'm sure during the season we're going to try to get you on before it gets crazy with Mountain West play. I appreciate you taking time with us today. Sure. I appreciate it, guys, especially in the middle of football season. I know there's a lot of other things to talk about, but we've got an open practice and some fun things for our fans later this month. So um, would love to help have you guys keep that in circulation October uh, 29th, a Saturday. Um, you know, you can come check us out, hang out with our team and uh, see us practice before we really get going. So the season's right around the corner. It's, it's going to be a really exciting time here in Vegas, as always. Keep crushing it. Keep crushing it, Lynn, and we will definitely promote that for you. Lindy LaRock, when we come back, we're going to close out the show. And, hey, you Kelsey Plum fans, we're going to let you know how you can meet her today. The final flag. I've been doing game day for 32 years. I put on 56 different mascot heads, and I've come from Orlando, Florida, 2,852 miles to get here. And let me tell you something, it would take something special for me to pick against my beloved Ducks. But ladies and gentlemen, this is a special place and a special time. Give me that duck <laughs> What a scene. I don't know what else to say except thanks. It's weird not seeing him on TV. He was a uh, Lee Corso, yeah. That was a that was a couple of years ago up in Pullman, Washington State. The, the, every morning, every Saturday, putting that mascot head on. Willie and Gooch, Treasure Island, throw the flag. The Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar on ESPN. I kind of jumbled that whole thing around. That was sort of dyslexic. That intro, right? It was, but it still made sense. Yeah, we were know, still with you. We yeah, were with you. You got you got the idea. Speaking of mascots. 
before we get out of here today, uh, I think we are, we talked about we started the show talking about me cooking for strippers and you. I, what was your dream job? My you? dream job was just not getting fired. Okay. As of right now, well, we are both clearly in the wrong profession <laughs> and have uh, bad aspirations, bad dream jobs because the Denver Nuggets mascot Rocky came out earlier this week. Do you know how much he makes? No, I would imagine it's probably like part-time money. I don't know. He makes six hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Just, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> just less than three hundred thousand, le- or three hundred uh, around three hundred less than like the minimum for NBA players. Yeah. Uh, the 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 cap on WNBA salaries is like two eighty. I think Diana Trossi makes like two seventy five, two eighty. The lowest and highest paid mascots in the NFL, like the high, I, I, I looked it up, like there's no one that makes more than 100K. I don't even think anyone makes 100K as an NFL mascot. Now, I does Rocky also get paid in endorsements? Because, you know, you see, no, you see this chance. Is salary. Okay. It's the same thing. Like Diana Taurasi is probably worth like $3 million. Yes. Like with She's the face of the franchise. Yeah, she can go. The, that the that, that's, that's a, that yeah. was the whole point. Like she could go overseas. She was going to Russia. She was right. playing with Brittany Griner. Right. So they were, you know, she's making millions of dollars on, like, Asia Wilson is not hurting for money. She's going to be a top money-making But what she's player. making from the WNBA but for the is WNBA laughable. WNBA is, go, Rocky, the the Nuggets, he shows up, he or she, we, it could be a woman. Okay. So, so, maybe, so maybe it's right. not, hey. you know, we can't say that, but Rocky's making 600K. Now, we got to, we, before we blast Rocky. We're I not just blasting want, Rocky. Are you kidding me? I'm patting him on uh, the okay. back. Okay, before we blast the NBA for not paying their players more than Rocky, I just want to say, as one of these professional mascots, the, the amount of the shape you have to be in to walk on your hands, to jump off that trampoline and do those dunks. dunks I mean, it's yeah. like there are skills that yeah. these guys have made. It's like 15 years of clown college before you could be an NBA mascot. You know who would make a great mascot just because of her personality and her fun-loving ways, and she would fight. Like, like if you could get a skating mascot, Lindsay. Like, okay. Lindsay would be a great on-ice mascot. Like, to just do crazy. Like, I think she could take Chance's place, but be just completely wild because she could get on the ice and skate. And I have seen Lindsay with a T-shirt cannon dead on. Yeah. Dead on. Yeah. I, I mean, be, it would be fantastic. So... Uh, I don't know if I'll be back next week. I may have a mascot hat on. I may be <laughs> cooking for strippers. But you heard Ari coming out of Chase our last your segments. Join Ari today at Finley Volkswagen. He's with Las Vegas Asian star Kelsey Plum at a meet and greet. Finley Volkswagen on Henderson, so make sure you check them out. It's Gooch, it's Willie, Mateo on my left. Lindsay's in the box quarterback in this thing. We'll see you next week. Slow the flag, ESPN from Treasure Island, Gold Circle Sportsbook. Thanks, guys.